All right. Did you guys enjoy that worship this morning? Woo! Is that great? Yeah. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I, I love that. So we are uh, we're in week two of Love is the Agenda. I've been yeah. looking forward to this week. Yeah, it's a lot of planning going into this. I've been looking forward to it, too. It's great. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Pastor Otis here, uh, he's one of our executive pastors, and his responsibility is really overseeing all things related to church and community engagement. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to risk embarrassing you uh, a little bit, but I want to say this in front of everyone here and those who are watching online, just how much I love you, how much uh, respect uh, that I have for you. Uh, when we met for the first time, one of the things I immediately said uh, to my wife is there are too few men leading in the church world who are like you. And I'm so glad uh, that you are a part of our church family and on our pastoral team. And I appreciate you, man. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. And so uh, we've, got to, we've got to go to, to Africa together. Yeah. And uh, that, was, that was a great thing. Uh, I am really eager uh, for you all to engage with things that Pastor Otis and his team have been working on uh, this week. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But in the meantime, let me say this. If you really do lean in with us today, I think you're going to walk out of here inspired. And it's not the kind of hollow uh, inspiration. It's not hype. Uh, Today, uh, we have an opportunity. For some of us, it might be the first step. Mm. For others of us, it might just be the next step with the greatest movement in human history. And what I'm talking about is the gospel movement. What you're experiencing uh, this weekend at Autumn Ridge is different than what, we, uh, what you would normally experience at a weekend service. Every November, we like to set aside a couple of weeks to really focus in on outreach opportunities and partnerships that we have both locally and internationally. Yeah. And uh, this, has a, this has a long and cherished history at our church doing this. I, I love that. I absolutely love it. And I want to be upfront with you today. I want to put my cards on the table and let you know about an agenda that I have. Because I have an agenda today. And the first half of it is this, is I just want you to be aware. I want you to be aware of the many outreach opportunities uh, that we have, and I want you to be aware of the partnerships that we have for that, both locally and internationally. But the second thing is, is I want you to be inspired. Today, I'm trying to persuade you. We're trying to persuade you to participate and to contribute uh, to those opportunities. I'm curious, was anyone here last week when we had Pastor Moose here? Do you guys remember Pastor Moose? Man, you cannot forget a guy like that, right? Wasn't he great? He did a phenomenal job of preaching and talking to us about the mandate that Jesus gave us. Jesus' last command was for us to go into all the world and to make disciples, to share with other people the, the life of Jesus, the forgiveness that is made possible through what he did on the cross and resurrection, the new life that is available to all people through trusting in him. So we're going to do a little pop quiz, and, uh, and let's see if you guys, you guys do well on this. You remember this from last week. His last command is our first concern. That's right. And today is 100% about making Jesus' last command our very first concern. Yeah, so that reminds me, sort of thinking through, reviewing things. I, I've only been here for about a year and a half. When, when I got here, when you got here, these two weeks were called the Missions Festival. I wonder if people in our audience know why you decided to call it Love is the Agenda. Yeah, we did change the name and uh, call it Love is the Agenda. And sometimes people use the word agenda in an ugly way, right? It can, they use the word agenda to mean something manipulative or underhanded or something secretive. And many times I find that unfortunate because anytime we do anything, we have an agenda. 
And when we use the word agenda, what we mean is that driving force, the motivating reason behind what we do. But when we talk about agenda, we're also talking about the desired outcome that we're hoping to achieve. And anytime any of us ever do anything, we have an agenda. You have an agenda today. Your agenda is the reason why you came on this cold November morning to be a part of this service. And there's probably something that you're hoping will be an outcome for you or an outcome for others. That's part of the agenda that you have. And that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with having that. This is our agenda. And it comes from the words of the Apostle Paul and something that he wrote to a church in Corinth. And we find it in the New Testament uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And, and there he is talking about Jesus's literal death and then uh, he's using a metaphor to describe a kind of death that we all have. It's not that we died, but we died to our set of preferences. We died to our old way of life. We died to our agendas. And it's not that those things are bad, but they're not important anymore. We have something new. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for who? Themselves. We should no longer live for who? Ourselves. That's right. Instead of living for ourselves, we live for him. We live for him who died for all believers everywhere, for all people everywhere. He died for them who died for us, and he was raised again. Now, it is the love of Jesus it's the love of Jesus that's the motivation behind everything that we do and experiencing his love and sharing it so that other people can experience it. That's the desired outcome that we hope to achieve. Everything that it means to know Jesus, everything that it means to follow Jesus can be distilled down into this one word, and that word is love. And if you know Jesus and if you're familiar with his life and you know the Gospels, what I'm going to say next is not a surprise to you. One time, a very informed religious person asked Jesus, what is the most important command? What's the most important thing we should be doing with our lives? What's the number one thing God wants from us? And Jesus said this, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love God with all of who you are. And then Jesus surprised the people who were there. He said, and there's a second one. And the second one is equally important. He said, it's to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he told the story that we know of the Good Samaritan, which proves this point, that we should love all other people in the same way that we love ourselves. And these are the words, that's what the Apostle Paul is picking up on. That's why he wrote this. The motivation behind everything that we do as believers and as a church and the outcome that we seek to achieve is love. Therefore, love is the agenda. Love is our agenda, and love is the agenda for, for outreach and for missions. Mm -hmm. And as you think about that, I have a question that I want you to consider. It's a question I'd really love for you to remember. I think it's a good question for us to wrestle with, and this is what it is. Do you want for someone, or do you want from someone? Do you want for someone, or do you want from someone? This is an important question. This is a question that I think can be applied to just about any situation yeah. we're in in life. Even when we do beautiful things, even when we do good things, if it's motivated by something that we're trying to get from someone, yeah. whatever that is, it's not love. For it to be love, fundamentally, at the root, it has to be driven by what we want 
for someone, not what we want from them. And so when we share our faith in Jesus with others, it should be because we want for them, not from them. When our church does things like Ridgefest, we're not trying to get anything from the community. We do it simply because we want for our community. As your pastor, in times when I ask you, would you give generously? It's not primarily about me trying to get something from you. I want for you. I want you to be deeply connected and a part of all that Jesus saved you for and called you to. And a little bit later, we're going to talk about a way to connect with our missionaries out in the cafe. And I hope when you go out that you walk around and, and connect with those partners. We're going to talk about what's happening out on the trees, what, what we mean by angel tree. We're going to talk about something called big boxes. And we want you to be a part of that. But it's not because we're trying to get something from you. We want good for you. And we want good for the people who are going to be on the receiving end of that kindness and generosity. Because these are the things These are some of the ways that Jesus loves to make his incredible loving kindness known. He loves to make himself known through these kinds of things. And so last year, we really highlighted a couple of partnerships, one internationally and one locally. Our international partnership is Compassion Evangelical Hospital. For those of you who may not be aware, Compassion Evangelical Hospital is in Guinea and West Africa. Some years ago, our church helped to build uh, that hospital, and we've had a long and deep, meaningful relationship uh, with them. And then we're going to get to go there in Uh, January. January. I'm looking forward to that. And then our local uh, partner is one where I love to volunteer. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Next Chapter Ministries. That is close to my heart. So would you give us uh, just a report what happened last year and give us an update on that? Yeah, so last year during our Freedom Campaign, as we, as you, as us as a congregation, paid off the mortgage for this property, we wanted to give freedom to other ministries who we partner with. And those are the two that you heard about today to be able to expand their ministry. And so in Guinea, the second poorest country in the world, and a population this 98% Muslim, we, you, us, as a family, gave to build what we call a child evangelism center. And this is it. It's now completed. Uh, It is a space for children in Guinea to go and learn about Jesus after school. It's a safe place for them to be, whether families work at the hospital or in the hospital as patients or just in the community space. It is such a great opportunity for these kids to have a safe place to go and hear about Jesus in a place where most of their relatives and people would be Muslim. Mm. It's so amazing. I love that. Yeah. Tell us about next chapter. Yeah, so next chapter, as we talked about, we, we got to pay off not our first mortgage for them, but our second mortgage for him. The, the house in the middle is the one that we most recently paid off. And this house is a place where men get to come and re- reinvigorate their lives with Jesus to break the cycle of incarceration and be all that God wants them to be. It's a house full of joy, a house full of learning, a house full of safety for these men who are coming out of prison and rebuilding their lives. All right. And so we did that uh, last year and that freed next chapter to do something else very recently. I want you to tell everybody about that. Yeah. So because they weren't paying this mortgage, because this particular ministry is such an influence in that community, they were able to buy yet another house in that community so that they can continue to be leaders in that community and expand it into more men and more families in the future. That's awesome. I love that. That's great. Yeah, let's celebrate that. That's good stuff. That's really, really good stuff. All right. 
So yeah, so this, mm -hmm. this is what the Bible talks about. This is what's happening uh, when Paul is talking to Timothy in 1 Timothy. And we're going to read this verse today from 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, Command those who are rich in the present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Life that is truly life. I want that. I do too. And I know everybody here uh, wants that. So we want to be a part of, of sharing that. Yeah. And what, what we're going to slow down and focus on over the next few minutes is it's not um, sharing the gospel and then doing good. Doing good and intentionally being generous and, and, and engaging in acts of good in the community is driven by the gospel. It's yeah. part of being gospel-centered and, and following Jesus. There's something that we've, um, we've said quite a bit recently around our church, and I say it over and over again because I want you to remember it. I want you to be able uh, to say this to yourselves and to others. This has become a major emphasis for our church over the coming year. And what I'm talking about is this. Leadership is a destination of discipleship. Yeah. And when we talk about leadership, we're not talking about primarily a position. No. That leadership can't be reduced to that. Leadership is fundamentally about embracing a disposition of responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so this is what I want to do. I want us to read those verses again that the Apostle Paul wrote to this young pastor named Timothy, and I want us to hear it through the filter of leadership as a destination of discipleship. I want us to read these words through a lens of leadership as a destination for discipleship. What do these words have to say to us about being leaders? What do these words have to say to us about embracing responsibility? Let's read it again. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, this is clearly written to the rich folks. Yeah, it is. Oh, we don't think of ourselves as the rich folks. No, I don't. <laughs> but uh, you know what? We always think of the other people. Yes. Uh, other people are rich. It's the other people who need to be responsible, who need to do this. Now, compared to most of the world, you know this, right? Compared to most of the world, most of us are rich. Now, I'm not saying that everybody in this room is rich because maybe not everybody in this room is. Maybe not everybody in this room is wealthy. I don't want to overstate yeah. this, but this is, this is worth considering. Compared to most of the world, most of us are wealthy. Now, this was uh, written to Timothy for him to share with his congregation. It's important to receive these words individually, yeah. but it's also important to receive them collectively, and I want us to do that. Our church, Autumn Ridge Church, we are a wealthy church. Now, it doesn't mean that everybody who comes to this church is wealthy, but collectively, we are a, a well-resourced church. We are, we are a wealthy, wealthy church. And so what I want us to do is I want us to read these words, and I want us to read them as though they were written to us. Let's make it personal. So I'm going to change a few words. Let's see if you can identify what I changed. Command Autumn Ridge Church not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 
Even if there's people in the room or watching online who aren't sure that they believe in God or aren't sure that the Bible is something that they can trust, this is one of those times I think everybody agrees the Bible gets it right. The Bible hits the nail on the head. I mean, who can argue with this? Isn't this something that we can all, that we all kind of agree upon, that there's something about wealth that exposes a vulnerability in us to arrogance? It doesn't mean that everybody who's wealthy is arrogant. I know some incredibly humble people who are wealthy. It's just there's a vulnerability there. Isn't it true that that there's just this vulnerability that the more you have, it's easier for us to think that we're superior to those who have less. And even though we all know, I mean, we know that money can take wings and fly away any second, and we've seen those sorts of things happen uh, over the past two or three years, there's this something inside of us that wants to, that we're just vulnerable to, maybe not all of us, but some of us, we're vulnerable to counting on how much money we can count. Yep. And so this is what I want us to do. I want us to take these words seriously. It's really marinated in what they say. Mm-hmm. But let's do this too. Let's make sure we notice what it doesn't say. Yeah, Have important. you noticed what these verses don't say? It doesn't say that being rich is bad. It doesn't say that being wealthy is a sin. It doesn't say that there's anything wrong with having a lot. What these verses do, they confront us about the vulnerability to sin that we have that can be exposed by wealth. So what are we to do? Again, we want to make this personally. We're going to make this personal. We're going to keep reading. Command Autumn Ridge Church to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Mm -hmm. Now, our story is not exactly the same, but we've got some similarities in the way that we were were brought up. Uh, I, I was raised in church. I was quite literally born on a Sunday, and the next Sunday my mama had me in church. Is there anybody else who was like that? Yeah. All right. It wasn't Sunday for me. It was Thursday. You were born on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so you probably missed that first Sunday. So I've been in church more than you. Yeah. Um, so I listen, I grew up hearing these words, knowing these words, being familiar with these words. But I got to tell you, if it's safe for me to be vulnerable, I think for too much of my life, I misunderstood these words. I think for too much of my life, I read these words as if you're rich, be a nice person. If you're rich, just be a good person but that just falls woefully short of what the Apostle Paul made clear, what he was writing. And what the Apostle Paul was saying to Timothy, what he was saying to that church in Ephesus where Timothy was a pastor, and what I believe that God wants to use to say to us today is this. Use your wealth. Use your financial resources. Use the money you have to fund goodness, to cultivate goodness in this world. Make generosity normal. Be on the lookout for opportunities to use the resources that we have to bring goodness into this world. And again, that's something that Jesus loves. He loves to use that in his people to show off his loving kindness. He loves to use that in his people to make himself known. It's not all of it, but it is part of what it means to be compelled by the love of Jesus. So we are a wealthy church. Let's acknowledge it. It's not something to be embarrassed about. It's not something to shrink back from. It's not something that we should engage in false humility and pretend that it isn't true. I think we should thank God for it. 
And there are some things that I think Jesus wants us to think, some things he wants us to do. There are some ways that he probably wants us to feel. And this is one of those things that I believe from my heart that Jesus would want us to come to terms with today. And it's this. Don't feel guilty about wealth. Feel responsible. Don't feel guilty. Feel responsible. Many of you, I think, have heard me say this before, that one of the things that motivated Heather and I to want to move our family here and join Autumn Ridge is this church's long and beautiful uh, history uh, with generosity. Um, It's something I love about this church. It's something that I love and I appreciate about you. A few minutes ago, uh, Pastor Otis talked about Compassion Evangelical Hospital. Mm -hmm. One of uh, the surgeons who operates there at uh, Compassion Evangelical Hospital is a man named Dr. Paul Sajani. This is him and his wife, Elizabeth. Very recently, we learned that Dr. Paul uh, was diagnosed with a neurological condition that uh, needed surgery, and if it was not treated, he would probably go blind by the end of next month. And if he didn't get this much-needed surgery, um, either at the end of next year or the year after that, he would probably lose his life. And this is a man who's dedicated his life to bringing healing to others. And he's in a tough spot. And what I want to share with you today is because of God's grace, because of God's loving kindness to us as a church, and for those of you who give financially, because of all of that, We were in a position that we could do something about it. And so recently we were able to pay for Dr. Paul Sajani to have this life-changing, life-saving surgery. And I want to say as your pastor, thank you for putting us in a position where we could do that. Thank you. What we're talking about today, it matters. This is not abstract. When we follow Jesus when we follow him as the Lord and the leader of our lives into his way of love. It changes lives. It literally saves lives. And if that excites you, and if that inspires you, and I hope that it does, this is what I'm suggesting we do today, that we link arms as a church and we keep taking our next steps forward. So Otis, this is my question. Yeah. How can we do that? Yeah. I'm really excited to talk to you about all the ways that you can engage today. But before I do that, I want to talk to you about some of the things that have already been going on within our church, with our littles, with our kids' ministry. Um, this is a picture of um, Pastor Rick and Dr. Steve Mary on our trip to Ghana. They're hanging mosquito nets. We talked to you a little bit about that um, when we were here before. These saved people's lives for four years from, from malaria. And when we came back, we wanted to engage our kids in how they can connect in the world and make a difference. And so we challenged them. Uh, Pastor Rick and I shot some videos in the rain. Yeah, and we did. We gave them some quizzes about what the most dangerous animal in Africa is. And I won't ask you because I know you all say the lion and it's, it's not. It is a mosquito. It's a mosquito. It's a mosquito. Um, and so our little kids, our, our kids uh, gave money, their own money that they earned and worked for and had in their piggy banks to provide nets for kids in Ghana. And this is what they did. They raised $553. $553. That's, awesome. so That's kids, amazing. Man. So proud of those kids. And then something else special happened. As we were talking about using our generosity, someone from the congregation, one of you, came to me and said, I'll match whatever it is the kids raise. And so we've matched that. And now we're sending that much money to buy nets for kids in Ghana to keep them from having malaria. It is 
such an amazing thing, the heart our church has for people who are in need. And we wanted to continue that today. So uh, Angel Tree is what you've seen in the lobby with the three trees that are there. On the trees, you'll find tags that represent given needs, not our thoughts about what people need, not our assumptions about what they want, but our schools, the social workers in our schools and in our community and with our partners have given us the needs of family and kids that represent three wants and three needs from the families that we are going to step into. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah, you're the pastor. You can do that. (laughs) All right. So I don't want to be controversial. I don't want to be political, but let me just acknowledge something. We, this is a time where there are a lot of people who are grieving, and this is a conversation for another time, are grieving the loss of influence that churches have in our country. Losing, influ- it seems like believers are losing influence in our country, and that grieves people. Can, I, can we just slow down long enough and recognize that the schools in our community came to us and said, Autumn Ridge, we think you could help. Would you help us? Mm-hmm. They're asking for us, and I think that's a big deal. It is an I think that's thing. awesome. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, and so I don't know how many of you know about the food insecurities in this city, but food insecurities in the school is a huge issue. And so we also wanted to step into that. And we do that through a program called Big Boxes, where we provide food for families depending on their size. And um, I, I really would like them to participate in this today. But, you know, we had 60 boxes out there today, yeah. and they're all gone. Oh, my goodness. And so what's happened is we also had some more in the way. Schools were asking us more schools. So next week, there'll be some more boxes. So if food is the way that you would like to engage, there'll be more boxes next week. But there are still angel tree opportunities. But there are lots of angels left on the tree for us to step into and, and ministry help us partners in the cafe and ministry partners in the cafe and if you're wondering if you're curious about how many schools and what partners we're talking about I want to show you the list of schools that we are talking to on a regular basis about their needs and their families and their teachers mm. this is quite the list of schools that we are constantly in communication with about how we can help and pray and be in relationship with this is, is a meaningful opportunity to bring love to real needs. It's amazing. All right. Guys, I love you. I love this church. And I'm proud of you. And it is, it is a real privilege of a lifetime for me uh, to get to be your pastor and to be a part of this church. And so today, it's, it means a lot to me to be able to say thank you to you. But I am not the only one who wants to say thank you to you. We have a video message from Dr. Paul Sajani and his wife, Elizabeth. Uh, It is in French, uh, but there are subtitles at the bottom. I hope that you are encouraged by this message from them. Nous vous saluons, chers frères et sœurs de Tom Ridge Church. Je suis Paul Jean-Marie Sigani. C'est moi, Elisabeth Sigani. (laughs) Je suis très enthousiasmé de travailler à Suyage. Je suis chirurgien. Je reçois beaucoup de cas de fractures. Et la plupart de mes patients sont du monde paysan et des musulmans. Le monde paysan allait jusqu'à Conakry parce que c'est là qu'il faut recevoir les soins. Se perd, ne se retrouve pas. Mais trouver de la chirurgie de qualité dans leur milieu, ils sont épanouis et ils sont contents. Deuxième élément, ils sont musulmans. En deux occasions, ils refuseraient d'écouter l'évangile. Mais j'ai l'occasion de leur annoncer l'évangile, de leur offrir de la littérature chrétienne, des films chrétiens sur des clés USB, des cartes mémoire. Et cela, c'est magnifique de voir que ce travail 
permet à Jésus d'être annoncé à des populations. Que Dieu soit béni. Amen. Moi aussi, je suis très contente d'être à CEH. Je suis au niveau des ressources humaines. Donc, j'aide le directeur dans le travail d'organisation. Et j'ai trouvé un homme très fatigué. Et par la grâce de Dieu, aujourd'hui, je puis vous assurer que ça va beaucoup mieux. Parce que la, la, la charge est partagée. Nous nous soutenons dans la prière. Nous nous soutenons dans le travail. J'exerce aussi au niveau des enfants. Et quand je suis arrivée, les enfants avaient des difficultés au niveau de l'écotisme. Mais par la grâce de Dieu, aujourd'hui, ils peuvent être plus tranquilles, plus posés pour écouter la parole de Dieu. Il y a un travail d'écoute aussi qui est fait, n'est-ce pas Un travail d'écoute auprès des enfants, des travailleurs. Et ce travail permet de pouvoir déceler les difficultés, d'en parler avec les parents et de pouvoir soutenir psychologiquement les enfants. Spirituellement aussi, leur annoncer la parole de Dieu. Il y a aussi un travail de renforcement des capacités. Je suis enseignante de formation et donc j'aide les enfants dans leur travail, dans leur scolarité, pour pouvoir décéder les difficultés. Vraiment, le Seigneur agit puissamment et aide l'Évangile à avancer à travers ce travail à ce âge. Je voudrais aussi vous remercier. Ma femme se joint à moi pour vous dire merci pour merci. le don pour aller à Ten Week Hospital pour me faire opérer. Que Dieu vous bénisse abondamment. Priez pour nous. Amen. Nous vous aimons. Amen. Amen. Mm. Amen. Isn't that great? Amen. Yeah. I love that.